Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Don't you love Legos? Anybody grew up playing with Legos? You gotta love Legos. My kids, man, we had so many Legos with all five of our kids, and now I've got grandkids. Woohoo, man, can't wait to see them again. Um, you know, you build the sets, they, you get them for Christmas, you get them for your birthday, or you kind of just freestyle with a big tub of Legos and you dig in there and you hear that noise and you just find that right piece and you, you connect it, you put it together, brick to brick, and you make sure it's secure. And the more points of connection, the stronger your creation. You know, as a matter of fact, there was an experiment done for Lego in 2021 by the University of Virginia. They dropped various configurations of two by four bricks from four feet high onto a hard floor. And they wanted to test the strength. They wanted to test the connection of the bricks. This was the result. A one stud connection was 0% survival rate when it fell from four feet, 0%. Two stud connection was 7% survival rate. Four stud connection, 10%. Six stud connection, 90%, but an eight stud connection, a full connection, what was it? 100% survival rate. In other words, the greater the connection, the greater the survival. The greater the connection, the greater the strength. The greater the connection, the greater the stability. Well-connected Legos are smart Legos. Well-connected Legos are strong, stable Legos. And you know what's true of Legos is true of me. What's true of Legos is true of you. It's true of churches. It's true of Christians. A well-connected Christian is smarter, more stable, stronger, and safer. And that's a real church. A real church is a well-connected church with well-connected Christians. We've started a new series called real church. We're only into it a couple weeks and we've already learned that a real church knows the necessity and the priority of God's holy word. We hold on, we preach, and we teach the word of God without apology. Amen. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. It's God's word. Okay. We've also learned that a real church practices real worship. And last week we went into that incredible passage in Isaiah chapter 6 we saw the holiness and the glory of God. We learned what worship is all about. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed either of the two, uh, first two messages in this series, go back and podcast them. Go to our website. You can listen to them when you exercise, when you're cooking in the kitchen, on a drive to work or drive somewhere else. But I really want to encourage you to understand what real church is. Because there's a lot of confusion today on what a real church is and isn't. Well, today we're going to learn that a real church is real connection. We all need to be connected. We especially need to be connected when we understand that things don't always go well in life. Sometimes we fall. We fall into difficulties. We fall into trials. We fall into heartache and hardship. And maybe even some of you here this morning, you had a fall this past week. Something unexpected happened and you, you've just fallen. And it's been hard and you're working through it. That's life. This is a fallen world, a broken world, and we all have those falls, falls into difficulties. Well, when we fall, we need to make sure we're this guy, fully connected on all eight studs. 
and a smile on our face. That's what's happened because a well-connected Christian in a well-connected church is stable and strong and smart. And one reason why many people fall apart in life is because they're not well-connected or they're barely connected or they're not consistently connected. Every single Christian needs more points of connection and every single Christian needs more consistent connection. Don't pull away. Don't fall away. Don't allow others to pull you away. Stay connected, get connected. And you may say, well, how? How, well, what does this look like? Where do I start? What are, what are these points of connection you're talking about, Pastor Scott? Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter two. We're gonna go to the early church, which was a well-connected church and which was a real church. And we're gonna see this real church, this early church, born on the day of Pentecost. And, and Peter is preaching, and I love this about Peter. God in his grace got a hold of him and fully restored him to ministry. After his threefold denial of the Lord and running scared. You know what? You may have feel like this morning that you've really let the Lord down. Peter felt that. You may feel like you've really failed the Lord in an area of your life. Peter felt that. Peter was restored. You can be restored. Peter was shown grace by God. You can be shown grace by God. And Peter preaches with this incredible, brazen, bold message of repentance from sin and follow the Lord in baptism. And we pick it up, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Read along with me, starting in verse 41 of Acts 2. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. 3,000 people were added to the church. That's a lot of people in need of connection. So what took place? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Everything was awesome. This early church was just simply incredible. Did you notice though the points of connection? Did you notice the strength? Did you notice the security and the stability? See, the first thing that we learn is they were connected by teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They placed themselves under the preaching and teaching of God's word, which is exactly what you're doing this morning. You're connecting right now. You're learning God's word. Two weeks ago, we studied this more in depth, so we won't go into the, to a lot of the necessity and priority of the word of God, but what we do see is this. They placed themselves under the teaching of the apostles, okay? What does that look like? Well, they were studying the life of Jesus, They were studying the doctrines of faith. They were practical, interpersonal relationships, family, work, victory over sin, and temptation. All the same things that we study today. Sitting under the teaching of God's word is invaluable. The word of God is our foundation for life and living. Please understand this. Belief affects behavior. What you believe will affect how you behave. And so we must study the word of God, beliefs. 
because it affects how we live our lives. And so we've got to continue to devote ourselves to sitting under the teaching of God's word. Continue to do that. Please, please let pastors and teachers in this church use our spiritual gifts on your behalf. Let us give you our spiritual gifts of preaching and teaching. Please, please let us fulfill our ministry that God has called us to do in your life. Ephesians chapter 4. And he himself gave some as apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints, that's the people of God, for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So, so let your pastors, let your teachers feed you and equip you and build you up and help you grow in the knowledge of Christ and mature fully in Christ. That's a real church. A real church is a connected church and they're connected by teaching. Secondly, they're connection, connected by fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship and the, the word is, is koinonia. Say koinonia with me, koinonia. It's kind of a cool, weird name, huh? I, I turn to the person next to you and say koinonia, <laughs> koinonia. Now, koinonia translated from the Greek actually means coffee and donuts. No, it does not mean that, okay? It, it literally means sharing in common. That's what koinonia is. That's what fellowship is. It's sharing in common. It's sharing in spiritual interaction. It's sharing in spiritual conversations. It's sharing in spiritual encouragement. So fellowship is active participation in sharing. It's sharing in the Christian community. It's doing life together. That's what Christians are supposed to do. God did not create us to be spiritual loners. Even if you're an introvert, God did not create you to do life alone. He, he created you to be part of a family, the church family. He created us to be part of community. And I want to encourage you, check out the life group tables out there, life group fair today. See the different groups and where you live and maybe volunteer to be a leader or facilitate or jump in a group and get to know people, but do life together, not alone. As a matter of fact, there are 26 one another commands given in scripture. Serve one another, care for one another, encourage one another. The most common is mentioned 17 times. Love one another. 17 times love one another. 17 times love love one another. You say, don't get all mushy on me, Pastor Scott. Let me tell you, there's a very important truth we're given in 1 John chapter 3. We know that we have passed from death to life. How? Because we love our brothers and sisters. You know you're a child of God going to heaven because you have love for the people of God, the family of God. Loving God's people is a sign that you're truly saved. If you have no love for God's people, you have no desire to be with God's people, it may be a sign you're not one of God's people. Or it may be a sign that you have a serious spiritual sickness and that you are disconnected. It was 251 years ago that John Fawcett was pastoring a church in England, a very small church. People couldn't pay him very much. His family was growing. He accepted a call to a much larger church in a bigger city in England. He went ahead and he preached his farewell message to the church. It was his last message to the church. Someday I'll do that. One day, I don't know when. It'll be his last, it was his last message to the church. He said goodbye to his congregation. You know what happened afterward? They pleaded with him to stay. They loved him. And he did. 
and he stayed there for 54 more years until the age of 77. And you know what? He wrote a hymn. He wrote a hymn with love for his congregation, and this is how that hymn went back in 1772. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. When we are called to part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. This glorious hope revives our courage by the way, while each in expectation lives and waits to see the day. From sorrow, toil, and pain, and sin we shall be free, and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. And all God's people said, amen. That's a connected church, connected by teaching, connected by fellowship. Next we see in this passage, connected by the breaking of bread. And and there's a broad meaning to what does it mean to break bread. The broad meaning is you're going to have meals with one another. You're going to sit down at a table. You're going to share with one another a, a, a time around the table and eat together. And there's also a narrow meaning to breaking bread, meaning communion, meaning partaking of the Lord's Supper together. And we did that last week. Last week at all of the services, we came together as a family of God. We remembered the body of our Lord broken. We remembered the blood of our Lord shed, his precious blood. And there's, there's a connection, there's a bond that takes place as we remember our Savior who died for us and saved us. You may say, well, Pastor Scott, I missed that last week and I haven't had communion in so long and I know I need to partake of the Lord's Supper and how, how often do you guys take communion here anyway? Well, some churches only take communion once a year. They see it as so sacred and so special that they memorialize the Lord's Supper on the night in which he was betrayed. Some churches take communion every single solitary service. Some churches like ours, it varies. We partake every six or eight weeks or so. Do you understand, please understand, there's no clear command in scripture. All we have is a phrase, 1 Corinthians 11, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So do this, it doesn't say, do this every single time you meet, do this every other week, do this once a month, do this once, no. We're told, do this as often as you do it. And so God gives each church the freedom, and that's what we have here. But in the early church, the broad meaning and the narrow meaning were often combined because in the early church, oftentimes they had something called a love feast. And so they would come together for a meal, and it would be followed by communion. But they were connected, and we need to be connected by the breaking of bread. Next, we need to be connected by prayer. They were devoted, verse 42, to prayer. Now, the early church was a praying church, and I'm just going to give you a bunch of verses here to see this. After the ascension of the Lord and they returned to Jerusalem in Acts 1, they were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. After the apostles were rebuked for preaching the gospel and sharing the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus, they were released and they gathered in Acts chapter 4 to pray. And when they heard this, they raised their, their voices together to God. And after they acknowledged their creator and quoted the Psalms and acknowledged the sovereignty of God, they asked for one thing. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak the word with all what? Boldness. God, sometimes we're afraid to name the name of Jesus. Would you give us boldness? 
Sometimes, God, we're afraid to share the gospel with a neighbor or coworker. Would you give us boldness? Sometimes, God, I, I don't know what. Pray for boldness, Christian. Pray for one another to have boldness. That's what the church does. We pray for boldness. They prayed for the new deacons in Acts 6. They had them stand before the apostles and prayed and laid their hands on them. They, they interceded in prayer for Peter's life. He was arrested. He's waiting execution. James has already been executed and killed. And in Acts chapter 12, Peter was kept in prison and the church was praying fervently to God for him. They're pouring out their prayers to God to rescue Peter, protect Peter. And miraculously, he is released. And in verse 12, as soon as he realized this, Peter, he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who's called Mark, where they had assembled and were praying at that moment. And so we pray for one another, going through difficulties and trials and persecution. They prayed for their missionaries, Barnabas and Saul in Acts 13. After they had fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them off. They prayed over their leaders, their elders, their pastors in the church in Acts 14. When they had pointed these elders, these pastors for them in every church, they prayed with fasting and continued and committed them to the Lord in, in whom they had believed. Pray for your pastors. Pray for me. Pray for our staff. Pray for our oversight team. Pray for your leaders. Commit us to the Lord. Ask God to give us wisdom, protection. Ask God to give us leading, his favor, his filling, his blessing. Pray for your pastors. They prayed after departing the church, and this was a hard goodbye for the Apostle Paul and the church at Ephesus after three years of ministering there. Acts 20. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul, kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Three years there, they were only seven days at Tyre as they traveled through in Acts 21. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey while all of them with their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. So they came together as families in the church to pray together as families. After kneeling together on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship and they returned home. And they prayed for the sick. James chapter 5. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they're to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he's, if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and what? Pray. Pray for one another. Grab people. Pray with people. Pray with families. Find out what, what you can pray about. Ask people what you can pray for them about. That's the church. We pray for one another so that you may be healed. The, the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. We believe in the power of prayer because we believe in the power of our God. We're a praying church at this church. First, the first service of the, of the new year, if you were here, we prayed. We broke down into prayer groups all throughout here. And four different, different times, we prayed for the end of the year, we prayed for the beginning of the year, we, we just spent time in prayer as a church. After every single service, we pray for people. We have people down here to pray for you. If you have a burden on your heart, you come on down, there'll be people here to pray for you. Every Wednesday night, right out there in the cafe, we gather, a group of us, and we pray. We pray for our church. We pray for you. We pray for our nation. We, we pray for the outreach ministries. We pray for you who are brand new visitors to the church. We lift your name up before the Lord and we thank God for you. We pray at this church. We're connected. We're connected by teaching and fellowship, by breaking of bread and prayer. We're also connected by the power of God. Verse 43, look at what it says. 
Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through all the apostles, through the apostles. Now, I want to kind of put in some clarity here because there's confusion today in churches and among Christians. What, a, what is an apostle? Who is an apostle? And are there even apostles around today? Well, when seeking a replacement for Judas, who was an apostle, we go back to Acts chapter 1 and we learn some things about an apostle. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, the first thing we notice about apostles is they were men who followed the Lord during his entire earthly ministry, three years, okay? Beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these, it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So an apostle was one that actually saw the resurrected Christ. That's who an apostle was. So they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's heart. Show which of these two men if you have chosen to take the place in his apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So we know apostles were chosen from the Lord, whether in person or by lot. So apostles were these three things. They were followers of the Lord for the entirety of his earthly ministry. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord, and they were chosen of the Lord. So based on Acts chapter 1, do we have any apostles around today? Answer. There's no apostles today. Please understand that. This was a special calling and a special office. And anyone who calls himself apostle so-and-so on TV, he ain't. Please understand that. There's no apostles today. And everyone was filled with all, it says here in verse 43. The Greek word is phobos. It's, we get our word phobia from this word. And so you know what that means? The early church had a holy fear of God. Oh, the church needs that today. We need to have a holy fear of our all-powerful, mighty God who we will one day stand before. They had a holy fear. They had an awestruck reverence for their God because something special and supernatural was taking place among them. They, they were sharing in the amazement. They were sharing in the reverence of their God. Man, God was doing things. God was changing lives. God was saving lives. Can I tell you, that's been my prayer ever since I became a pastor at this church almost 28 years ago. That God would just do so many awesome things here that only he could get the glory for it. Amen? Amen. You don't want to see what people can do, what men can do. We want to see what our God can do. We want to see what he does when he gets a hold of lives and he saves lives and he changes lives. There's way too many dead churches across America and this world. Dead churches where no one comes to saving faith. Like nobody is getting baptized. The congregation continues to get older and just dwindle in number. It is a dying church. Too many dead churches that are more religious country clubs focused on holding on to their traditions and it's in maintenance mode is what it is. It may look like a church from the outside, but it's just a religious shell. It's kind of like a shed skin of a cicada stuck on a tree. You ever see those things? It's just a shell. It looks like a cicada, but it's an empty shell. The, the, the former glory of many churches is gone, and you could write Ichabod across the door. They say, what's Ichabod mean? Well, Ichabod comes from the name given to Phineas' son. When the Israelites were defeated from the Philistines, and Eli and his sons are killed, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken into captivity. 
They said, Ichabod, the glory has departed. I pray God will never write that across our doors. But you can see a lot of churches across this nation. The glory is departed. Not in the early church. I mean, glorious signs and glorious wonders. Like in chapter 3 of of Acts, the beggar at the entrance of the temple carried there every day, lame from birth. And Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. I speak the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and what? Walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped up and started walking and entering the temple and with them. And he's walking and leaping and praising God. Isn't that how you came into church this morning? Walking and leaping and praising God. Man, so happy to be in God's house, so happy to see God's people, so happy to worship our my great God and hear God's great word. We see Peter raising the dead in Acts chapter 9. In Joppa, there's a disciple named Tabitha, translated Dorcas. She's always doing good works, acts of charity. She became sick and she died. Peter would go into the room, kneel down, pray, turn toward her body and say, Tabitha, get up. And she'd open her eyes and she sat up when she saw Peter and gave, him his, gave her his hand, helped her stand up and called the saints and widows and presented her alive. There were signs and wonders happening with these apostles. Paul raises the dead in Acts chapter 20. There's a young man named Eutychus. He's sitting on a windowsill, sank into a deep sleep as Paul was talking. Don't fall asleep during a preacher's sermon. What does it say here? He's overcome by sleep. He falls down the third store. He's picked up dead. Paul goes down, bent over, and says, don't ever fall asleep during... No, he didn't say that. He embraced him and said, don't be alarmed because he's alive. Man, now, listen. No church is ever going to replicate the early church. But our God is alive and active in his church, people. Please understand that. God is alive and active, and he's alive and active in this church, our church. Two weeks ago, we had seven baptisms to start off the year. It was fantastic. Listen to these testimonies. Saved from self-harm, saved from suicide, saved from alcoholism, saved from depression. God is at work in our church. He's saving people. There's joy in their purpose and meaning and trust and forgiveness now and new life in Christ. Pastor Mickey, the counseling ministry, shared with us. Last year, we had 35 people come to Saving Faith in Jesus Christ through our counseling ministry. That is awesome, friends. We've had three people saved in the last month through our counseling ministry. By the way, our our new members class, we've got over 50 people signed up for our new members class starting next week. Is God good or what? So praise God for that. He's doing a work. By the way, you want to know who we are as a church? You want to get to know us and who we are doctrinally? Sign up for the new members class. Go out to the ministry information center. You don't have to join the church. Just find out who we are. Every week, God is doing something. Every week, God is bringing in guests, first-time guests. How many of you here are first-time guests? You're here for the first time. Raise your hands. First time back there. Who else? First time. Great to have you guys here. You're an answer to prayer. You're a blessing from God. You really are. How many of you are new to the church within the last month or two? You're new to the church. coming. Praise God. Great to have you guys here. You're an answer to prayer. And we pray you'll be encouraged and blessed with the ministries the Lord is doing. Part of the family, being connected here. Connected by teaching and fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, connected by power. Next, they were connected by generosity. This was a giving church. Look at verse 44 and 45. All the believers were together, held all things in common, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. In other words, listen, they held the stuff of this world loosely because you're not taking it with you. And they held the needs of people tightly. 
Hold the stuff of this world loosely. Hold the needs of people tightly and close to your heart. That's a connected church and a connected Christian. They understand they are a family. They learn together, they serve together, they spend time together, they share meals together, they pray together, and they take care of one another. It says they held all things in common. You know what that tells me? They weren't possessive. They weren't materialistic. They weren't greedy. It, it wasn't about trying to outdo each other. I want you to understand, it wasn't about trying to keep up with the Joneses, but trying to help out the Joneses. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses and see what you can do to help out the Joneses. They were generous. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. See, some of us feel disconnected in a church because we're not invested in the lives of other people. And honestly, maybe in your life it's all about getting it's all about accumulating. It's all about taking. It's all about self. You want to be a connected Christian? You need to start seeing the needs of other people. You need to see a need and maybe pay off somebody else's bill because they've been struggling. They just got let go. Maybe their kids need winter coats. Maybe you could go purchase some winter coats. Maybe you could go buy groceries for a needy family in our church. Maybe you could make a meal for somebody, set up a meal train for, for a family, start serving them, start helping them. That's a connected church when Christians stop only looking at themselves and say, what can I do to financially bless the lives of other Christians who might have a need? They willingly sold their stuff. They operated on these similar principles. Simplify your life in order to bless someone else's life. You don't need more stuff, Christian. Simplify your life in order to bless someone else's life. Give up a luxury to meet someone's necessity. Forgo your wants to meet someone else's needs. They were family and they felt responsibility for one another. That's what family does. They feel responsibility for one another. They treasure people more than things. Start treasuring people more than things. Start treasuring souls more than stuff. And it says they freely distributed. The tense of the verb indicates they would just do it from time to time, over and over. It was their lifestyle. Because giving is fun. And giving is a blessing. So says Jesus. Acts 20. In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this. To remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, say it with me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So do you want a blessing in this life? Answer, do you want a blessing in this life? Yeah. Then stop hoarding and start giving. You want a blessing in this life? Then stop accumulating and stop taking and start giving and start giving and start giving. And I want you to notice it wasn't forced giving. This wasn't socialism. This wasn't communism or some government-decreed requirement. It wasn't mandated by law, but motivated out of love. And that's the giving God wants. Not mandated by law, but motivated out of love. Be generous, Christian. Here's some great reminders from Scripture. Galatians 6. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all people, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Look for opportunities to bless another Christian. James 2. 
If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be filled, good luck, good vibes, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? Do something for them. 1 John 3, if anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does the love of God reside in you, Christian? Little children, let us not love in word and speech. Talk is cheap, but in action and truth. So connect. They were connected by generosity. Connect by generosity. Here's another way to stay connected. Connect by gathering. Verse 46. Every day. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. This was real church and real connection. They got to God's house. They got with God's people. And they were in it every single solitary day. Do you realize there's no such thing as too much church? No matter what your unsaved husband says. No matter what your coworker says or your parents say or your children say. There's no such thing as too much church. Church attendance has fallen on really hard times. According to Gallup poll, just this past September, only 22% of Americans attend church weekly. George Barna research, a practicing Christian is now known as someone who attends church, what? Once a month. That's a practicing Christian? That's pathetic Christian. Tom Rayner, one of the most disturbing trends we are seeing is decreasing frequency of attendance. Two decades ago, a frequent church attender was considered a person in church services or activities once or twice a week. But one of the trends emerging is the increasing number of once a month attendees. Once a month? Twice a month? You really think that's gonna do the job? Man, you're barely hanging on. You're barely connected is what you are. This is what you look like. You're, you're, you're just ready to fall, friends. That's all there is to it. You don't got much strength. You don't have much stability. You definitely don't have much smarts. Seriously, not by way of spiritual smarts. The early church met together all the time. And I'm not telling you how many times you got to be in church. We're not going to be legalistic and lay that out. Most churches aren't even open every day. Ours is. We have all kinds of different ministries. Here's some of them. Bible studies, men's, women's. For moms, we have gems. You moms out there, jump in there. Be encouraged. Mentoring older women to younger women. We have a mentoring program. We have for women in trauma. We have a, a, a widow's Bible study. Youth. We have, a, we have a study for those living with cancer and cancer caregivers. We have Maison, meaning more. That's a special needs ministry for ages 13 or 14 to age four, uh, thir, uh, 30. You know what? That was this past Thursday. We had someone drive from Indiana to be a part of that ministry at our church. Special needs ministries are so important in people's lives. Celebrate recovery on Fridays, counseling ministries throughout the week, services on Saturdays and Sundays. We're here. Classes as well. You know, one job of the leaders of this church and the pastors of this church is to position you for full optimum connection. That's what we're here for. We want you safe and secure and stable spiritually. And once or twice a month is not going to cut it. You need to choose consistent connection. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. See, when we come together, we provoke and encourage love among ourselves and good works and service. Not neglecting to gather together. Not neglecting to gather as, together as is the habit, as some are in the habit of doing. 
By the way, that's a bad habit. But encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so there are many Christians who have fallen into a very bad habit, and COVID definitely wasn't a help. They're barely in church, if they're even in church. And they need to be here, and they need to be here in person. Yes, I'm talking to you online right now. (laughs) You need to be here. You need to be with God's people. You need to be encouraged by God's people. Would you let them know we miss them and they need to be back? Let them know. Let's go. We love you. Come on back. Now, I know there's exceptions. If you're home right now and you're sneezing, there's phlegm flying everywhere, stay home. Okay, we get it. If, if you're a mom and your child has a fever, we understand. Stay home. We're grateful for online ministry. And, and you know what? If you're a shut-in and you can't make it to church, that's why we're here. We're here for you. If you're having surgery and your doctor said you've got to stay away from people, we understand that. But some of you have no excuse. And you're disobedient to God's word. And you're robbing yourself and you're robbing us of the fellowship and the good works and the love that we can share. So come on back. And may we all be able to say with the psalmist, like in Psalm 84, I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Selah. Selah means pause and think about that for a minute. How happy. How happy. Better is a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Let me just have a day in God's house. I love being in God's house with God's people and worshiping my God. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God. I'd rather peer in the window, just get me close to God's house, than live in the tents of wicked people. Psalm 122, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. When someone invites you to church, you should be rejoicing and you should be inviting people. Let's go to the house of the Lord. You should be texting people. Let's go to the house of the Lord. You should be saying, what are you doing on this Sunday? Let's go to the house of the Lord. Are you plugged into a Bible study or a life group? Let's go to the house of the Lord. Reach out to people. Reach out and say, let's go to the house of the Lord. By the way, spiritual people are drawn to God's house. Spiritual people long to be in God's house. Think about this. The Spirit of God indwells you as a child of God. He is pulling you and drawing you to be in his house with his people in worship. That's what he does. And if there is no pull to be in God's house, you have a spiritual problem. Seriously. Because the Spirit of God naturally pulls you to God's house. If you don't have that pull, you're grieving his Spirit, not walking in his Spirit, not living according to his Spirit. And now we go from God's house to your house and my house. Because connection means hospitality. They broke bread, look at verse 46, from house to house. And they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. And so they opened up their hearts. And when they opened up their hearts, they opened up their homes And they used their homes and invited people into their homes and shared meals with people in their homes. Please listen carefully. Your home is not your home. It's God's home. Redeem your home for the glory of God. Open up your home. If you have a really large, big, beautiful home, don't be ashamed of your home. Redeem your home for the glory of God and use it. If you have a really small, simple home, Don't be ashamed of your home. Redeem it. 
open it up for the glory of God. Have a one-on-one Bible study and invite somebody from church over. Meet a new person. Have them come. Open your home for a, a life group, a Bible study. By all means, hospitality has become a lost art in the church. And we need to revive it. Open up your home. Hospitality is seen throughout the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. Share with the saints and their needs. Pursue hospitality. Think about it. Pray about it. God, how can you use my home? How can I be used in hospitality? What can I do? Romans 16. There was a man named Gaius who is host to me, Paul says, and to the whole church. He says, I'm using my my house as God's house. I'm going to invite as many people over as possible. Uh, By the way, hospitality was a qualification for pastors. You couldn't be a pastor if you didn't show hospitality. An overseer in 1 Timothy 3, that's a pastor, therefore must be above reproach, husband and one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, what? Hospitable, able to teach. Hospitality was a qualification for a pastor and is a qualification. Titus chapter 1 verse 7 says the same thing in verse 8. An overseer of God's household in verse 8 says, be but hospitable. So you're all invited over to Pastor Scott's house today. Woohoo! I just probably should let my wife know first, so... (laughs) Hospitality was a determining factor in supporting widows, 1 Timothy 5. The widow is to be enrolled on the list for support, financial support, unless she is at least 60 years old, has been the wife of one husband, is well known for good works, that is, she has brought up children, shown hospitality. Hospitality was a sign of godliness in a woman's life. Not just for men and going into ministry, but also women. Hospitality is across the board for men and women. So here's a great reminder of one possibility, Hebrews 13 too. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have entertained or welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Now, is that cool or what? When you've reached out to strangers, you have no idea who you may have reached out to. And 1 Peter 4, 9 says, be hospitable to one another without what? Stop complaining about, oh, I gotta clean the house, and it's so hard to cook all this food, and look at the mess they left, oh. That's not hospitality, that's whining. God says, you know what, it's a blessing to serve people. Just serve them. Serve them with a smile. And look at their attitude around the table. Verse 46, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Well, that's no surprise. I mean, they're, they're sharing and caring and giving and opening their homes and praying together and encouraging one another. Joy. I mean, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is joy. And it says here, not only with gladness and joy, but with sincerity of heart. What does that mean? Well, it literally means simplicity. And so... They weren't concerned about trying to impress anybody. Let's just be sincere. And let's just open our home and open our hearts and let's just serve people. That's how they were connecting, by hospitality. They also connected by devotion. And this word is used twice in this text. Verse 42 and verse 46. They devoted themselves. That's how you get connected. And every day they devoted themselves That's how you get connected. You prioritize these things in your life. It's not hit or miss. They devoted themselves. It reminds me of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will what? We're going to serve the Lord in this household. We're going to stay devoted to our God. We're going to connect. We're going to be dedicated. Pastors and church leaders can only do so much. We can only preach and teach it so much. We can program till we're blue in the face. When it comes to connection... You have to make the choice. You have to understand the needs. 
for security and safety and spirituality. You have to see the blessings and the joy that come with it. You have to choose connection in your life. And for some of you, you need to make some changes in your life. You need to talk to your husband, talk to your wife. You need to look at your calendars. And you need to say, we need to make some changes. Because we come to church once a week or once every couple weeks and we really think we're doing well, like we're spiritual. And now you're realizing you're not very spiritual. Just coming to church once or twice a month. You really have a long way to go. And there's a lot of other connection points that God is expecting in your life. And so I want to challenge you to spend some time with God and say, Lord, I'm not as connected as I need to be. Where do I need to start? Spend some time in prayer, look at your calendar, and make it happen. Devoted means ardent attachment or loyalty is what it means. It's not a once in a while thing, when I feel like it, if it's convenient, I'll get around to it. It's devotion is what it is. It's kind of like exercise. I mean, I doubt very much many of you say, I exercise once this month. <laughs> so, how's that gonna help you? It's gotta be consistent every other day, every day, every third day. It's gotta be a part of your life if it's gonna make a difference physically in your life. The same thing is true spiritually. I went to church this month. <laughs> Seriously? You're proud of that? How about I went to church every single week this month, and by the way, I've joined a life group, and I'm in this fellowship group, and I'm praying with God's people, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm... now we're talking progress spiritually. Now you're talking spiritual growth. See, if you know it needs to happen physically, consistently, please understand it needs to happen spiritually to be healthy as well, even more so. One last thing, connected by blessing. Everything is awesome. Look at verse 47. They're praising God. They're enjoying favor with all the people. Every day the Lord is adding to the number of those who are being saved. So they're praising God. So this is where connection leads. It leads to praise to God. You realize there are no drawbacks with being connected under the teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayer and power and generosity and gathering and hospitality and, and devotion. There's no negatives. There's only positives. So no wonder there's only praise. And maybe there's a lot less praise in your life because there's a lot less connection in your life. And you'd have a lot more praise to God if you were a lot more connected. Not only that, they found favor with all the people, meaning support and respect and admiration, and no one had anything bad to say, and not just believers, but unbelievers. The early church was an attractive church, and connection is what made the difference, not only in their lives, but their community's lives. Their unsafe family, their unsafe friends, their unsafe neighbors, their unsafe co-workers. See, you get connected and you watch God not only work in your life, now you're going to watch him work in other people's lives because love was authentic and sacrifice and service was obvious and commitment to God was unquestionable and joy was contagious. And boy, many churches are missing this today. Many Christians are missing this today. We're known more for what we stand against than what we stand for. Boy, are we missing out. We're known more for what we don't like, and we don't like this, and we don't like that, than what we do like, and how we do help. 
and the difference we are making. See, the early church wasn't known for being a group of haters and whiners and criticizers and complainers. How about you? How about me? Now, I'm not saying you should ever back down from a single doctrine or belief in the Bible. And I am not the biggest fan of our government. Hear, hear? Please understand that. But, but please understand the church back then was under the Roman government, which is a thousand times worse than our government. They were persecuting Christians and killing Christians and making everything to do with the Bible and Christ illegal. But they were so focused on connection. They weren't known as haters and whiners and criticizers. They were so focused on the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer and power and generosity and gathering and hospitality and devotion. Maybe if we just so focused on our, our lives on those things, we'd be a whole lot negative and a whole lot, how a lot less negative and a whole lot less cynical in this life. And it would make such a difference in your life and my life and a church's life and unsafe people around us lives. They're praising God, they're favored with all the people and then it says, verse 47, man, Every day the Lord added to their number those being saved. More and more people were getting connected. More and more people were being saved every single day. Can you imagine what would happen if every single one of us here today, all this coming week, just named the name of Jesus, shared the name of Jesus, just invited people out to church, come worship with me, invited people into your life groups, just started living out your faith all week long, not just one hour on a Sunday. Do you, can you imagine what God would do with all of those spiritual seeds that you and I are going to be planting all week long? And, and the harvest that God would bring about every single week as we lived out our faith? That's what God wants to see. Live it out, Christian. Live it out. And what's amazing to me is God was placing these baby Christians and a warm and nurturing nursery of authentic love and kind hospitality and care and generosity and joy and gladness. That's what I want our church to be, amen? A warm and welcome, welcoming nursery. See, God has baby Christians that are gonna be born this coming week. And he's gonna be looking for a church where he can place them. Where do I put my baby Christians? Where can they be nurtured? Where can they be mentored? Where can they be taught? Where they, can they be cared for? Where can they be loved? May God do it at this church. And may everything be awesome. Real church is a connected church and everything is awesome when we're connected by these things. Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, power, generosity, gathering, hospitality, devotion, and blessing. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's pray. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. Would you just take a moment right now and would you just thank God for his goodness in your life? Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his love. Would you thank him right now for someone who spoke the name of Jesus to you? They had the boldness. They had the care. 
Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Christian. Would you pray right now for our church? Would you pray for your pastors, our pastoral staff and our leaders and our oversight team? Would you pray that we would be the church God wants us to be? Pray for his protection over this place. Would you pray right now for a boldness for yourself and for us as Christians? Christian, would you pray right now about your connection? Where does God want something to change? Maybe there's one or two areas, maybe there's eight areas that you listen to this morning. Ask God for wisdom, ask God to help you make it happen and commit to do it to him. Commit to him that you're gonna make it happen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and maybe you've never come to faith in Jesus. Would you call out to him right now and ask him to be your savior? You may say, Scott, I I know I need forgiveness of all my sin. I, I just don't know what to say or how to say it. In the quietness of your heart, just sincerely call out to him right now with words like these, Lord, I need you. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? Would you please save me from all of my sin? Thank you for dying on the cross and taking all of my sin. Lord, I I place my faith in you. I can't save myself. I place my faith in you alone. Would you please forgive me? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings, visit at harvest.church.